0: Today, I'm joined by Aisha Salim, a venture capital research analyst at Laxon Investments Limited. Like many of us, Aisha is fascinated and delighted at the growing importance of ESG. But in Pakistan, ESG is not yet a concept that's broadly embedded, either in private or publicly owned businesses. Thank you for joining us from Karachi today, Aisha.
1: Hi, Clive.
0: Just so we have a little bit more understanding about Laxon Investments, tell us a little bit about. Laxon and also your role as a venture capital research analyst.
1: I'm delighted to be on the podcast today and I'm very happy to actually talk about ESG in the subcontinent and kind of just have a useful conversation to see where we are and what steps we can take to increase ESG awareness. So I'm currently working as a research analyst at Laxon Investments um, Laxton Investments is one of the leading asset management and investment advisory companies in Pakistan, and it is part of the wider Laxton Group, which is one of the leading business conglomer- conglomerates in the country. So I work in the venture capital division at Laxton Investments, and it is one of the only few Pakistan-focused venture capital Uh, firms, which is actually based out of Pakistan. Just as a background, I have graduated from the London School of Economics, where I studied economics and government. And I have trained in research and data analysis. So I've had experience looking at data, running um, regressions using languages like Python, to kind of just look at the data and kind of get useful solutions from it. So at Laxon Investments, I work both as um, a venture capital analyst, as well as the um, ESG representative and the climate officer at the forum. Basically, my role at Laxon involves um, looking at the current startup ecosystem in the country and talking to the different startups which are coming up. So I am one of the first points of contact for the main startups in the country and they get and they reach out to us for funding. And then we go through a whole process in which we look at their financials, we look at um, what we expect the business to be doing in the next five years, the market feasibility. We look at all these different factors and assess them and then decide, should we invest in that company or not? So we have a list of criteria which we go through before making that decision. It's a great industry to be in. The startup industry is still relatively new in the country, and it has started to grow over the last few years. Um, 2020 was a record year where they raised $64 million and had 45 startup deals, which was a 45% increase from the previous year. So as an industry, I think it's a growing industry given tech is increasing, digitalization is happening, and people are just adapting more. So um, it's a very interesting place to be um, at this point in time, and um, I look at a lot of the data and the analytics behind making investment decisions.
0: I knew you were going to start throwing some statistics at me. <laughs> Why would a research yeah. analyst not? But hang on, before we, before we talk a few more numbers perhaps, for those of us who aren't really aware of Pakistan's economy, can you just give us an overview of how the economy is doing, how, how big it is? And perhaps single out two or three of its more famous companies, just so we get an idea of the economics of Pakistan at the moment.
1: Pakistan is basically the 22nd largest economy in the world in terms of the purchasing power parity. It is also the 45th largest in terms of the nominal GDP. It has a population of over 220 million, so it is the world's fifth largest population. It also has a very massive informal undocumented economy, which is basically 36% of the overall economy. As you can imagine, it's a massive country with a huge population. It is significantly large as well, but it is significantly agricultural in terms of the divisions of the economy. So in the sense, 22.9% of the GDP actually comes from agriculture. So you have wheat, rice, cotton, fruits and vegetables, tobacco. These are some of the big earners, the cash crops, as you may call them. It is also actually the fourth largest cotton producer in the world. One of the largest rice exporter in the world. And it also has abundant natural resources, which include copper, oil and gas. Yes, I know it's an ESG podcast, Mm but Oxon does have a lot of oil and gas. And I'll actually cover that later in this question. The industrial sector is also pretty large. It's 18% of the GDP. Some of the largest earners in the industrial sector come from oil refinery, metal processing, cement, and fertilizers. Then you have the tertiary sector, which is 53.1% of the GDP. And it does employ 35% of the workforce. So that's pretty exciting because IT comes under the tertiary sector, and it is one of the largest growing sectors within the tertiary sector you're having a lot more people getting interested in tech, getting interested in digitalization, and it is accounting for about 3.5% of the exports of the country. In terms of kind of the country is starting to rapidly digitalize. You do have an overwhelmingly large uneducated population. You do have a large rural population. You do have division in the country, but keeping all those issues aside, It is pretty great to see that over the last few years, the country has been growing both in terms of the GDP and in terms of literacy, it has been increasingly becoming more digital. You have 98% of the population who now has a mobile phone, 42% of the population is digital, they go online. And that is basically because of lowering data costs, everything's becoming a lot more accessible. So it is paving way for more tech adoption. People are becoming more tech savvy and they're ready to embrace change and think of different ideas and dimensions, which is also interesting because this has led to a new wave of kind of firms coming up. A lot more industries and fields are growing up in terms of investments, there's venture capital, private equity, asset management. You have a lot more people getting involved in the healthcare sector, which is not necessarily just medical, but just mental health sector, You have a lot more people working in um, camps to just help the general economy, help the general average person, rather than just the cement, the key industries which are normally what has been the paved path. Funnily enough, the largest and the most prominent companies which earn the largest revenue in Pakistan are all oil, coal and gas based. So you have the Pakistan State Oil, you have um, Sui Southern Gas, you have Sui Northern Gas, you have Parkour. So these are all oil and gas companies which um, get the highest revenue overall. And besides that, the more notable, the larger companies which people generally aspire to work at are Engro, Unilever, and National Foods. So these, some of these are meant multinational multinationals like Unilever. So these are kind of front runners in terms of good corporate policies, good social policies, um, employee care and retention. So these are some of the key kind of sectors and um, industries in the economy. I hope that kind of sheds some light on Pakistan.
0: It it does. I'm I'm still reeling at the size of Pakistan's population. I had no idea it was 220 million. That's 220 million is huge. And I suppose... yeah, as a 22nd largest economy in the world, it's obviously beyond just a, an emerging country. It's it's already emerged. But I think the next exactly. decade is going to be really fascinating in terms of the economic performance of, of the country, which kind of leads me really on to a, a new question, which is um, in the pursuit of, of making more money, um, let's look at what the environmental, social impact and corporate governance of these businesses might turn out to be. I mean, as you know, we started the ESG Foundation in 2020 to highlight the importance to business leaders of employing an environmental, social impact and good governance strategy. Do you think it might take a whole generation in Pakistan to embed ESG? Or do you think today's leaders in Karachi and elsewhere are going to really take it seriously anytime soon?
1: that's a very interesting um, question and very interesting kind of idea to think of. If I were to speak at the top of my head, I would certainly say that looking at the general economy at this point in time and the general firms, you don't see a lot of ESG focus. So people aren't there yet where the international standards require them to be in terms of ESG. In fact, the only kind of factor which you still see of somewhat importance is E, the environment factor. And that too, because climate change has been an issue for the longest time, and that's most talked about from the three kind of the ESG part, I guess, in my opinion, based in Pakistan. And I guess um, CSR ventures is the max to where most of the companies go as yet. So a lot of the initiatives are just for greenwashing, to be honest. They aren't actually taking actions or kind of have policies which are directly having an impact on ESG. No one's actually really looking at what their impact or what their carbon footprint is, or how their employees, are, uh, what is the scope of the policies they have in terms of social and governance. Is their board diverse enough? Do they have enough women on board? These are still issues which people do not actively think about. And um, if I was to look at the general companies at this point in time, the more established ones, I would say that it is going to take some time for these leaders to actually adapt to it, because the focus of that generation of leaders has always been on just making more money, getting more profits, and following, going down the do- uh, the beaten path, which has generally led to their success. It's a different way how each person actually views success, and I think the two different generations can actually embody and show that the two generations, the emerging leaders and the existing leaders view success in many different ways. It's not just about success in terms of dollars earned or monetary value. A lot of times the current generation is actually looking at success in terms of what is my impact? What what am I giving back to society? What is my personal contribution to society?
0: That's precisely where we walked in really as the ESG Foundation. I think um, I agree wholeheartedly with you that it may take perhaps not a whole generation, but another half generation for people to recognize that the pursuit of economic profit is not the sole reason um, for existing as an organization. Um, I mean, the sad fact is that at the moment, I say sad fact, we're we're still developing, but it is true that at the moment on the ESG uh, Foundation's showcase page on the website, We don't yet have um, a CSR or an ESG report from any Pakistan-based company. Um, Perhaps you might be able to help me, um, Aisha, uh, sort that out. Um, It would be great to be able to highlight at least some examples of best practice in Pakistan. Um, But I'm interested in your experience as a venture capital research analyst, your current experience. Do you think Pakistan's new entrepreneurs already embrace ESG?
1: So um, to some extent, Clive, I would have to say, yes, they do. Um, In fact, just in 2020, the end of the year, one of the startups actually managed to raise an astounding $825,000 just because they're a startup which is more organic, natural-based, conscious startup. So they focus on, they don't necessarily qualify as ESG, but I'll take whatever exists right now in the economy it's uh it's a startup co-natural which basically looks at beauty products and wellness products and all of the products are sourced ethnically they're uh, sorry they're sourced organically locally and they're natural based their packaging is all recyclable um, they go out of the way to make sure that they're reduced impact on the environment and it's great to see that people have actually responded that well to them that in the last few years, it has grown from being a small passion of sorts for two people to a large company which has managed to raise a good amount of funding. And um, just continuing on from that, I do as when I speak to different startups, it's fascinating to see the different ideas the current generation has for their businesses. People aren't necessarily chasing after banking anymore or they aren't necessarily chasing after just having a big corporation. They're actually talking about ideas which will make a difference. I spoke to another startup recently, which is very fascinating. And they had come up with a whole model how they'll recycle all the rainwater. So this year in Pakistan, actually we had a lot of rain which caused floods in the country. There was a lot of destruction. And given that Pakistan already, a lot of the areas in Pakistan undergo water shortage this bed actually found a solution to recycle the water at that existing time to reduce the flooding, and also store it in a certain way to actually use it for everyday purposes. So in terms of being responsible, I definitely think the new entrepreneurs already embrace ESG to some extent. And even if they don't incorporate every single point which qualifies for ESG, they are going out of the way to ensure that their policies in terms of for the employees, they are up to international level. They are working to make sure there's no gender divide. There's Mm no harassment issues. There's equality in the workplace. There's formal whistleblowing because I think these are very important issues which exist in Pakistan. In fact, me as a girl, when I came back from London to work in Pakistan, these were some of my key issues, which I never had when I was in London. I was in, when I was in the UK, I would look at a role based on its merits. What was the role? What would I be um, entitled to do? What would I would be learning? I would look at these factors. But when I'm in Pakistan, when I would be applying for a job, the things I would be looking at is, do they even have enough women working on board that, or will I be uncomfortable? Because in a workplace with 200 men, will I be the only woman working there? Is the kind of workplace actually Kind of accepting of women there, or will I just be made awkward because the men around me will just be uncomfortable by me working between them? Will I be treated the same way? Will my application, if I send it to the banking sector or to the finance sector, will I be given the same opportunities as a man would be? Would I be paid the same way? If I did have any problem, would there be any kind of channel to go through? These are all very real issues in terms of social policies in Pakistan, which a lot of workplaces still do not kind of um, have documented, which I think is just a very basic requirement. If I'm talking to you, I'm sure you would think that these are just the bare minimum of company needs. You would never think about these four things. But in Pakistan, these are real issues. The same comes up with governance policies. You have family owned businesses, you have the torch being passed on from grandfather to father to son and so on. There isn't a lot of merit necessarily You have the same family owning everything in the company. You have the CEO roles, the COO roles, all the leadership roles are either just used within the same family. So I think these are very important issues. And while the existing kind of leaders, they will, I feel there is change happening in the economy. I feel the new entrepreneurs already embrace these things. It is already a thing which when they're working in, it is the bare minimum they need to do not something they need to change and strive to achieve.
0: I think that's a fantastic answer. I knew if I asked you it, I'd wind you up and you'd just get going. That's <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> I mean, it's easy. Here I am in London and it's a miserable, wet, rainy day. I think I would rather be in Karachi, irrespective of the fact that you've had lots of rain yourselves. Um, <laughs> it's, it's easy from a London perspective to just assume that the rest of the world should embrace ESG because... The chattering classes are saying it's something that we all must take heed of. You'll know better than I that the investment management community very seriously looking at ESG criteria on the basis of whether they recommend a buy or a sell for a publicly listed company. But it is my hope that by talking about ESG in the round, whether it be on a country by country basis or in a sector by sector basis, even privately owned businesses, And the owners of privately owned businesses will will challenge themselves and say, are we doing enough to lower our impact on the environment? Are we doing enough um, to help our supply chain? Uh, There are examples, of course, recently in Bangladesh where, you know, Bangladesh manufacturers were only receiving, you know, the workers who were making sandals were only receiving seven pence an hour. Certainly consumers in London are thinking again about, you know, buying products where, They've been produced by people who weren't on a living wage. But it's easy, as I say, it's easy for the London perspective to imprint our views on on the social imprint or the social fabric of Pakistan, and nor should we. Um, But how would you like to see ESG promoted and encouraged in Pakistan? Um, And what would be the best way for people to get in contact with you if they're interested in, specifically in Pakistan, moving ESG forward?
1: While it may be kind of the landscape in Pakistan is very different economically, the work-wise, everything's very different from what it is based in the developed world. So, um, but I still think that it is is very important to kind of have these ideals to look up to and kind of try to get to that level. Even if it's gonna take us a couple of years, we still should be starting somewhere to attain what we want. And just to this end, um, I would love to see people and companies in Pakistan just talking more about ESG. And this is why I've been very excited to actually work with the ESG Foundation because it kind of, you know, gets that ball rolling. It gets that conversation started. And I think that's the starting point. You just need to kind of first look at your own company. You need to look at yourself and see, hey, I'm doing something, but what more can I do? And you just start from there, you build up from there. That's what I did. I looked at the company I was working at. I tried to take initiatives within the company to just increase our own footprint, to increase kind of look back at what we're doing. Are our policies sustainable enough? Before we kind of try to talk or preach to other companies, reflect and take a step back, look at yourself and see how you can improve. And then I would definitely you know, reach out to different organizations like I did with you. I looked at the ESG Foundation, I came across it, and it looked like a fantastic place to kind of have a partnership with. And I'm so glad to have this mutually beneficial partnership, which gets me to be able to reach a lot more people about ESG in Pakistan. And hopefully, more people start talking about it too. Similarly, I'm very excited to actually share that just yesterday, our application for the Women's Empowerment Principles also got accepted. So that's a UN sponsored body. So just as a commitment to our social policies, we are now signatories with them as well. So just working with these foundations, working with like-minded people is very beneficial because people like you who have the experience, who have been looking at this for a long time, can actually help us, you know, give us direction as to see what we need to do, how we can change. And um, I think from there, it's important to also advertise what you're doing. Like what I'm planning to do is, because Laxton Investments is a group company of the larger Laxon Group. So I'm gonna actually tell HR to set up a call with all the HRs of the other companies within the Laxton Group, just to let them know about what we've been doing, share our successes, share our policies and hopefully inspire some other company within the group to reach out and kind of reflect back at their own policies to see, do they have all the right social policies in place? Are they looking at corporate governance? Is environment a key issue? Are they considering the carbon footprint? And hopefully that's where the chain starts. When one person starts it, 10 more people started and that's how it just grows and becomes mainstream. And that's what we're hoping to do, that It just becomes mainstream. Talking about ESG is not a new idea. It's so sad because when I join these Zoom calls or just discussions, especially during COVID, I've joined a lot of them. A lot of people don't even know what ESG is or why, you know, they just join in because it's a greenwashing policy. But I want it to be more than a greenwashing policy. I want them to actually care and look back. And I would definitely, you know, encourage them to kind of get in touch with organizations like yourself showcase their performance. Even if it's an older report, it's still something. It still puts them out there and encourages more people and the employees in their own organization.
0: I just wish I could bottle your enthusiasm and spread it around the world. So, <laughs> But that's fantastic. And certainly, really, that's all we've got time for at the moment. I'm keen that if people want to get in touch with you, Aisha, there's an easy way. You know, you're on LinkedIn, of course. Um, you can also contact Aisha via our contact page on the ESG Foundation website, which is esgfoundation.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do subscribe to our YouTube channel. There are lots of other interesting interviews on there. The ESG Foundation is the name of our channel. We also have a LinkedIn page, and we're, of course, on Twitter. And for those who like it, we're on Instagram too. For now, at least, let me thank you for listening. Um, But of course, Aisha, thank you again for your time this morning.
1: Thank you, Clive. It was great speaking to you.